of course Marley puts herself first in our lineup of people. I just clicked. Oh, how There was no thought. There sure, was no thought sure. to it at all. Welcome everyone to Age of Geek, the podcast. As I bump my microphone, I'm a professional. We're so excited today to be talking uh, with Marley, Marley, and Robert, and our guest today, Brandon. I'm on a non-Brandon Sanderson episode. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how th that worked out. Finally. Oh, wow. Your goal is to tie in Branderson in this episode. So All right, just we'll, so you we'll, know. We'll, we'll make Jake and Blake proud. I yeah. Mean, you we just have did. expectations for you. You just did that. So I think you're good. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We mentioned his name on it. I've, I've, I've met my contract minimum. <laughs> Was Is your name originally Brandon or did you change that after you read his book? <laughs> Oh yeah, it was completely. My name was Robert before, and then I met Robert, <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, I've, I've got to, I've got to go back to the drawing board." And I wrote a Brandon oh Sanderson book. It was all downhill from there. Now we know. Now you know the etymology. Knowing is half the battle. Is that the, is that the study of knowing names, word Words. naming things, etymology? Yes. I know some things. Yes, it is. But we are excited to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, the third today, tonight, which came out, what what was the date, the release date? May 3rd? May 5th? May 5th. May, May the 5th. Oh, they chose a Star Wars day to release the Guardians movie? I mean, that's the day after Star Wars day. Isn't it May it's the 5th? It, it's there all Disney. There we go. May they the 4th with you, Revenge of the 5th. May the Revenge of the sixth fourth, but I did see Guardians on May fourth. So <laughs> I was going to make in the title a reference to Revenge of the Sith, but I couldn't Guardianize it. I I wasn't feeling creative, so I just left it. <laughs> the Guardians kick back. Oh wait, strike back. That one. Return of the Guardians. Return of the. I know. I the wanted Guardians to awaken. The last I, of the I, Guardians. Gamora is alive. There we go. I was trying to remember the experiments names, and so I googled it, and it took me to a PETA website. So I quickly left that. Oh goodness, because <laughs> it was a graph. Anyways, that's a long tangent. We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> three. PETA might come up. Yeah, I mean, we saw it next to a child, like a seven or eight year old child, and I would not suggest bringing your children to this movie. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, no, I definitely think, like, I mean, there's a reason it's PG-13. And even then, like, maybe even some younger teens might. I had a hard time with it, some of the scenes. It was it was really difficult because I'm a huge animal lover. And I cry. Like, the most random, like, stories, like, somebody, some random person that I follow on Instagram, like a, um, like a famous person, they were talking about their dog that they, like, he, they had found out that their dog is sick and they had to put him down. And I started crying. You guys. <laughs> or the videos of people, like, service members who come home and their dogs are all excited for them. Oh, like, my those gosh. give me every time. Oh, my goodness. Or what's the <laughs> Dodo organization when they do, like, the rehabilitation of animals? It, I, I sob. I sob seeing like a little emaciated sheep come back to life and be happy. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to the saddest Age of Geek podcast ever. For real. Animals. <laughs> In the arms of an angel. <laughs> oh my goodness. I will submit. It might be a episode, different episode topic. They need better rating systems because PG-13 is a broad 
depiction of I don't know. Like if if I took my kid to a movie that said some swears, that'd be one thing. But if I took her to this movie thinking that it was just some swears she was going to hear, and then having the story of Rocket Raccoon being uh, experimented on, I would not be okay. So let well, me let, let's get this out of the way right now. Is this is a full spoiler podcast? Like oh, totally. absolutely. Yes. If you have not watched it, Turn go and watch now, it. Please come back and listen to us. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, we'll wait. <laughs> is this when I go do another outfit change? No. Yes, yes <laughs> it's exactly when you go. That's how this works. Um, yeah. I know we're not waiting. The other <laughs> of the Galaxy movies were PG-13 as well, though. Yes, they all are. I mean, I think all Marvel movies are PG-13. Yeah, yeah. and so mm-hmm. it's not... Okay, I do have issues with studios who kind of bait and switch you. Um, back when Deadpool became a thing, and I know Fox and Marvel aren't and Disney weren't all the same happy family back then. But when Deadpool the movie came out, uh, on Disney XD, there was a Spider Man series, and Deadpool was a reoccurring character, and he was just kind of snarky and funny. He was not the Crass. Deadpool that everybody knows now. And so, my I think he was four years old at the time or something like that, said to me, dad, there's a Deadpool movie. I want to go see that. He is absolutely hilarious. I'm like, no, absolutely not. I'm not old enough to see a Deadpool movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. Like, so when, when they have this media that is aimed towards younger children and then all of a sudden they throw something else out there, I do take a little bit of a, not offense, because that's too strong no, of a word. No, but I think but it's okay to take offense at that. I, it, well, it just it's frustrating as a parent because I, I, I've got four kids. I and they ran, they run the gamut. I've got a fourteen year old down to a two year old. Yeah. And my two older ones, I can take to this movie. My youngest one, I could take the movie because he's two and he wouldn't sit through it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my but my eight year old daughter, I'm like, there is no way I'm taking you to this in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Um, let alone at eight years old. Like, let's give it some time. Even my even my eleven year old, I was like, oh, we'll see. They like stuff that types. My daughter watches a lot of crafting videos, and they'll do crafts of like huggy wuggy squid games. And so, like, it's not bad oh, content, no. <laughs> but it's not like yeah, like you're saying, I'm not going to let my kids see squid games again. Well, going, am I old enough to, to watch squid point, game? <laughs> going back to Steph's point, um, PG thirteen when it was brought into the MPA rating system because PG back from, you know, when God was a boy until they brought in PG 13 <laughs> covered a huge gamut of, of content. And it was up to a certain hard line. And then they were like, R. And the, if you look back at some of the movies in the seventies, eighties, and I uh, up to the mid to late 80s, I believe, is when PG-13 came out, when they finally did it, and they cut back what they allowed in PG movies versus where they could start and how far they could go with, with a PG-13 movie. Looking at, you know, the movies that came before that, they ran that entire spectrum, and it was pretty much, you know, PG and then R. And, and if it was PG, it was, you know, parental guidance suggested. And, you know, good luck. I think almost everyone has a story of, like, watching a movie with their parent and their parent being like, I don't remember this being in there. John Hughes films, there's full <laughs> frontals. There's so much. And, yeah, it, and they're great, but, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, PG-13 was introduced in 1984. So okay. anything before that oh, was just wow. whatever. That's For those of you who remember that far back. Monty Python funny. and the Holy Grail is PG. <laughs> is it? Jaws is PG. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, and isn't even like Psycho or something, or like, like, and even all of the um, Friday the 13th movies, like a lot of those, like, kind of even like slasher horror movies. If they came out before 84, they were PG. Mm. Now, yeah. in my opinion, I actually wouldn't mind going back to G, PG, and R because it puts the onus back on the parent. Yes. Like mm. that is the argument that is always being made. Uh, people should let me parent. Well, if you are going to make that argument, you should parent. We shouldn't have to tell you what your child, what's appropriate for your child. Because I know some 13 year olds who this Guardians of the Galaxy movie is not appropriate for. And yeah. I know some 10 year olds who could go see it with no problem. It just uh, depends on the child. And the parents are the best ones who are equipped to know that child, usually. I agree. I Yeah, with that. And that's all to say, this has some really dark parts in the movie. I think they definitely hit hard with the horror aspect, the body horror, especially of this movie. Did it and really hit any harder movie. than Toy Story did? Okay, well, that's a different story, all right? Toy Story is a world that shouldn't... If you think about it too hard, it is horrific. Think about Sid's bedroom. Oh it had God. the same vibes backyard. as Sid's bedroom. Yeah. It was scary. Like growing up, like I remember watching Toy Story and kind of like these are not my favorite scenes. Sid is scary. Like it it was it was a thing, definitely for younger kids. So what what I'm what I'm getting here is if your kids have trouble with the Sid scenes in Toy Story, mm -hmm. wait for this one. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good comparison, actually. Because there was the rabbit. I can't remember her floor, floor, floor. Uh, sweetest thing in the world. Looks the, terrifying. Like yes. it's just like the doll's head on the spider legs. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and that's what made me think of Toy Story. Yeah. Well, and it's like appearances can be deceiving too, because it's like, yeah, same thing happened in Toy Story. Like that little head on the spider legs looked really freaky, but then like once who was it? Was Buddy? Buzz. Buzz, you Woody, what did, I, did you say? Was was <laughs> was <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, like when they were they fixed Buzz, that's and right. Surprised Woody, that's right. I but have yeah, seen every was... Toy Story. Thank you. It's so been many times. So <laughs> I'm like, who was there? So 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 many times. Yes, but yes, no. They like so, again. So, so you many. he looks scary, but. It was actually like one of like the nicest little like toy creature things, whatever you want to call it. And kind of same thing with these guys. Like they were super, super like nice, but they looked, they looked rough. I mean, even Rocket looked really rough. Rocket. I mean, but Rocket has looked rough every time we've seen him or seen his back in anything. You always mm -hmm. have these things of where did yeah. this come from? You know, maybe we should, maybe we should go back and go with, <laughs> yeah, go with we, uh, this is actually a we Guardians of the a Galaxy, tangent. not a Toy Story podcast. <laughs> Do we want to start at the beginning and then work our way back to Rocket, or do you just want to start here and then jump around? Start at the very beginning. Okay, well... Very, well, very good place to start. to start. Which is usually a good place to start, <laughs> although sometimes starting in the middle and working... <laughs> ah, never mind. Um, We've already done it. It's fine. When we, when you know, you start off at Nowhere, which is, you know, everybody sees this and it's like, oh, this is great. And after seeing the holiday special, 
for better or worse. We understand that they've, you know, the, the Guardians have kind of built a community there and we get to see that and, you know, we get a nice musical opening like we've had with every other Guardians movie. And then chaos rains down upon them in the form of Adam Warlock. What are our thoughts on Adam Warlock? I have read something where somebody said he's like the vision just in golden red and it kind of made <laughs> me laugh. But I like the fact that we've seen, well, without seeing him, in the end of Guardians 2, I think it was one of the stingers, Aisha has the cocoon that houses what is going to be Adam Warlock when it hatches. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, good, he's, he's hatched. We're, we're going just full on right, up, right out of the gate. So that was, you know, for me, it was good. Um, little different interpretation than in the comics, but that's the MCU for you. I read an article on Mary Sue about how he is the ultimate himbo, which <laughs> a himbo is a attractive but unintelligent man, according to Urban Dictionary. Oh my goodness. And so you just know he's not with that kind of explanation, you know he's not gonna be a character of great depth. But I mean that's not necessarily the worst thing when there's so many stories going on in this, this movie and then continuation that I think mm -hmm. is probably going to be happening. Well, and it really seemed like he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't really introduced very well. So he kind of was just there, but all you know is that he's pretty strong. He's pretty powerful. You know, everyone was having a really hard to keep, really hard time like keeping up with him and controlling him and he did a lot of damage there at nowhere um and even just like his whole character throughout the rest of the film like he i don't really know what uh, guys honestly i i couldn't tell you what his purpose was really i mean i know what they mean they say it obviously in it but like mm -hmm. even then i just feel like if he wasn't even in the movie, like I, I feel like we wouldn't have totally missed him, except for the tease that we got in the end of the prior movie in that he was coming. So I kind of feel like this was just a setup and he's younger. He's kind of fresh out of the the birthing Cocoon. pot or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> like and, we all are. Yeah. You know, and so like he's young and dumb and he's going to be great. And we're going to see more of him. Like, because I... I played the the Guardians of the video, the Guardians of the Galaxy video game. I'm like tripping all over my words today, you guys. Um, I'm sorry about that, but I played the video game and Adam Warlock. Yeah, that one, Steph. Yeah, he's right here on my desk. It's it was actually really enjoyable and it was fun. Different side of the Guardians. Um, felt like a little more like comic booky, but uh, yeah. So Adam Warlock was in it and he was like like an uh, like a mature like he was well established Adam Warlock and they had to go for, to him for help and he was just very like stoic and very like on the book and just like no I'm not going to help you but then they convince him and he does help and blah 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 but it was just like a very different Adam Warlock that I saw in the game and then like because I I was a little I want to say I was a little disappointed in how they portrayed him in the movie well, not that I hated it I just I wish we could have gotten more you, okay, so between Steph's comment about him being a himbo and your comment about him not being the brightest, you know, the sharpest <laughs> knife in the drawer, there's an interesting uh, juxtaposition that we can use between Adam Warlock and Rocket. They're both created for specific purposes, mm. um, and they're both flawed in their own ways. You could say that Adam's mental development isn't quite there, whereas Rocket was created as a stepping stone. 
And they're both kind of different takes on Frankenstein's monster, if you look at it. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that. that. See, so, I, in my opinion, I think that Adam Warlock is there to give them somewhere to go. Like, mm-hmm. if they bring mm-hmm. him in as this super mature, stoic kind of guy, then he's really boring in the movies because he has yes. no growth. Yeah, uh, You start him true. out here and you get the character growth and because that's really what Guardians of the Galaxy is about. They Yeah, they saved the galaxy, but the movies are not about them saving the galaxy. The movies are about them growing as individuals. And we even got a little bit of that for Adam Warlock mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah. Oh and my so gosh. His little gives like him furry friend. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> but it was cute. It looks so familiar. Like I feel like I've seen that in another show. Like, and maybe it was just in the previous Guardians. Who knows? Yeah. Well, didn't that? Are you talking about the little brown fuzzy creature? Yes. yes. Well, wasn't he with one of the Ravagers in yes. the early yes. scenes? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was just a cute little. And yeah. maybe even in the prior in Volume Two, because yeah, yeah that, he definitely so looks familiar. Yeah, he was. He's been around <laughs> for sure. The character's name. The the creature's name is. Blurp. Oh, Blurp. of course. He's cute. And he was formerly owned by the Ravager Fitzgibbonock. Of course. And was that the one, was that, the one that got tortured and killed? Yes. <laughs> and we're like adapt- adopted him after he accidentally killed Fitz. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Spoilers. Well, it's a tender story no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> But it did give, but it did give him some growth and development that I don't know that we would have gotten from him otherwise. And Brandon is a hundred percent spot on that if we'd gotten the Adam Warlock that we see in the comics now, for example, it'd have been like, okay, it's one note. We have nothing to learn from. Well, nothing for him to do or to learn or to grow from. He's this battle weary, ridiculously powered being that it's just like, like kind of like Thor was at the beginning of a. Uh, Love and Thunder, just like okay, Colin, Colin Warlock, and we'll just go over here and have a beer. Is he like, like a uh, Doctor Manhattan esque in the comic? In ways, in okay. ways, we'll just put him at that le- that power level relative to the Guardians, for example. I was in a panel with Robert for Remote Con about the Watchmen TV show. And I made a comment about Dr. Manhattan that was very off because I hadn't finished the series. And I just need to admit that because it's been on my heart <laughs> the last two or three years oh where I gosh. said something. And it's because I hadn't finished the series and didn't know the twist of Dr. Manhattan. So there we go. Yeah, I think I'm glad we could... spoiling that for you. <laughs> I don't think you did with the, with the panel we were on hmm. because I should have. Anyways, I'm glad we could clear the air, Robert. <laughs> I feel better for it. Oh, yes. <laughs> thing was, he comes in and, and you know, he cre- creates havoc and creates the catalyst for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Must so, up Rocket real good. Yes. Oh. And we find out Rocket has a uh, kill switch. Kill switch on his heart. Yeah, which is just awful. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. think we can all agree with that statement. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. Saying. And obviously, yeah. Kill <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you heard it here first, first AOG against Kill Switch. Very awful. Except for some machinery, because like Terminator should come with them. 
that Terminators, okay. open AI. I things guess like you that. heard it here first. Age of Geek is mostly against kill switches. <laughs> Apparently, we're just afraid of AI, is what is what I'm gathering. I mean, yeah. <laughs> For good reason. No. It totally hits the the superhero trope on the head, too. This entire movie with like the way they mess up these worlds and locations and like it's just totally that's not a big deal we're gonna mess up nowhere what is it is it and then it's fine it'll be all right it'll get worked out in the end we'll call in damage control they'll come fix stuff it'll be fine yeah (laughs) millions of dollars of infrastructure gone (laughs) can Uh, i just say though like we kind of glossed over as we were talking about adam warlock but the whole gamora relationship with peter like Mm -hmm. that was that was handled like we were told so much about their relationship between the movies and the holiday specials just by watching her take drunk star lord back to his bedroom and and how she was doing that and how she's like gamora nebula no no sorry nebula Nebula. i said gamora didn't i yeah, yeah. Uh, Nebula. Nebula. I was like, so confused. Nebula has uh, Nebula's character is one that just slowly became like okay, this is a side character to she is integral. Yeah, mm-hmm. integral and like was able to convey so much with just a little bit of body language. Apparently, I watched an interview with James Gunn when they uh, the body that uh, Nebula was carrying was a fake. It was about yeah. 35 oh, yeah. pounds. I saw yes, that. Yes, I watched a TikTok about that mm-hmm. and it was so funny. Yeah, and they were trying so hard to make you think that that was so that they could use it for for dead Star-Lord in that yes. interview. Oh, yeah. You totally oh, thought gosh. it was dead Star-Lord. Yeah, everybody, like the marketing, the trailers, everything were all designed to make you think that star lord might die in this one i heck up until the very end like you're like oh maybe he does die yeah do you you definitely question it at one point point you're like is this the moment especially (laughs) knowing that this is the last in this series of movies you kind of expect people to die or something big and i usually am like for that sounds awful i'm usually for that because i feel like it's more realistic realistic mm-hmm. it's not so like everything tied up in a happy bow oh all the main have, characters never read a comic book, have you <laughs> but i actually was not angry that again spoiler alert no one dies well a lot of people die but no <laughs> I was gonna say, there were a few deaths in this <laughs> some, movie some people like a whole, whole planet but... a lot of people die but none of the guardians die yeah they're all fine including nebula <laughs> yes okay why did they bring back gamora also did we know that she joined like when did she join the? i feel like it was very random that all of a sudden she was there with the ravagers and that did we was... have context for that no Okay. Was... okay, so the context that we did have was she was always looking for a family outside of Thanos. I thought okay. she was still with Thanos. So when did we even get word that she had left Thanos? Endgame. At and, the end and, of Endgame, maybe? And, well, just she just the walks end, off. Oh. The, the, the second time guess, heist. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And they brought not quite as old Gamora to the present. To, right, to, right. Uh, betray thanos i had to, had to look that one up. So like she's back how can she be back because she fell off of a pretty big cliff and i like the fact that peter is still broken up about that and you know you kind of broke the universe peter but you know five years later you're still kind of mooning over your 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 ex-girlfriend okay 
This was a unique take on the fridging the girlfriend trope. Yes. Like that was was. something that I was, I was like, okay, like, yes, they killed off his girlfriend for character development, essentially. Mm -hmm. But then they brought her back. And so it's not quite as bad as being like, okay, we're just going to kill this character because she's a woman and we're a comic book and we do those things. Uh, But it still essentially was, okay, we're going to kill this woman so that this man can have some growth. Right. Which Which is a big problem, actually. If you look at a lot of Marvel movies historically, the female characters die so that the male character can soldier on and be heroic. Yes, Mr. Feige. Yeah. Putting that on you. Yeah, I know that's a that's a thing. It's not my favorite. Although I really did like the the take that they didn't end up together. I was very I was pleasantly surprised with that. Um, Yeah, it's he gets to go home to her chosen family. He gets to be reunited Mm -hmm. with his. So um, what nobody's saying is that she's actually make sure you get the right one. Thomas Riker. Thank you, Brandon. (laughs) It's a Star Trek joke. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's lost on me instead. Transporter accident, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Basically, okay. you get two of the same person, and the second person per- takes their personality in a different direction than the character you followed for years, basically. So we get that with this Gamora, and you keep seeing Peter trying to wear her down like we loved each other. You know, you should just give it a chance. And she's just kind of like, I'm not that person. And Peter's continued resistance to that concept until the very end when he's like you know i'm i miss the you that i remember but you're okay you're going to be okay right and i think he's going to be okay there's always that kind of i felt until like the very end with their conclusion you there's always this like i want to say hope because i didn't want it to happen but this feeling that she would be like i do remember that and i'm like yeah let's like get it back together and I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they didn't do that take because it, it's been done. Mm-hmm. Well, and it would have felt forced, I think, yeah, too, it yes. because we had such like a small amount of time. I mean, even, even having Gamora kind of there in the first place, not that I have anything against Gamora or this version of Gamora. It just, it also just, I don't know. It, it seemed like she was just kind of there. Yeah. And I, I felt. The same with Sylvester Stallone. Oh yeah, he's just kind of there. <laughs> well, he was in volume two. He was For he minute. was part of the Ravagers. Yeah, the whole group. But I don't know. I just I, I they kind of just like created this like yep. Here's a here's a way for Gamora and uh, Zoe Saldana to have some you know screen time in this movie. Like a we lot of we still have a time. contract with her. We need to fill. We need <laughs> we to get her into another movie. Out. How yeah. do we do this? Okay, to be a little yeah. less cynical than, than my companions here, I think that it was a nice <laughs> way since they were putting a bow on everything. Since they were tying up this incarnation of the Guardians, yeah. it was nice to be able to have her back, even if it was not the same her. Yeah, to be there to to be part of the group, even if she's looking at it as a dispassionate observer, and even tertiary antagonist to some degree. Yeah, she was just, just grumpy the whole time, and it. it but just... I mean, Gamora was kind of grumpy in the first Guardians too. Yeah, I guess that's she was. True. She was slightly grumpy in that movie, in that first movie. I and guess the, their whole mission to the fleshy planet or whatever it is. Orgus. Uh, the stylization oh, of their rainbow jumpsuits is like so very cool. I loved that. It was, that was so fun. very fun. And I I it yeah, it reminds you of the first Guardians where you're like, what is this? This is so cool and fresh. 
And yeah, I feel nobody, like they nobody talks about the fact that. that that Mantis cannot float, fly, or land properly. No, oh my she's God. just like <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of uh, feel like Mantis stole the show a little bit. Like I feel like she they they definitely gave her like more screen time too and and even like you know we saw a lot more of her in the holiday special mm-hmm. as well i mean because it was kind of her and drax you know it's kind of a thing with them but like even more so in volume three like we saw a lot of her which was i mean she's funny i think it was fun we did mm-hmm. an aog episode on the holiday special and i think my takeaway was <laughs> mantis and drax were both annoying and I didn't feel that in this movie. So yeah. uh, good yep. job, James Gunn. Yeah, that is Another true. person who's kind of inserted in, James Gunn's brother. Sean Gunn. Sean Gunn. <laughs> Sean Gunn. He had, to get, know, he had to get the arrow thing, the whistle. He had to find, we had to finally Did see he? him get that down. For okay. Yondu, Steph, it was for Yondu. I mean, he'll always be Kirk from Stars Hollow. It's true. Uber. <laughs> oh, dear Lord, he was. Yes. <laughs> wow there's yep. a flashback thank you for that stuff mm-hmm, always <laughs> wow yes oh my but god for for mine and robert's episode on gilmar girls stay tuned um, yeah craglin to me is kind of like all of the guardians have their quirky personality things and their 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 uh idiosyncrasies craglin to me has always been this guy who's just kind of trying to do his best to follow orders and a little bit Gomer Pilish sometimes doesn't quite yeah. get it right, but he's doing the best he can. That's and, a good and, description. And and Craglin is just like your every man who's just like, you know, you've got your you've got your guys who are your ace performers and you're like you're my go-to for everything. And then you've got the other guy who's kind of like, well, I know that if <laughs> you're I thinking of a job, specific person right now, aren't you? No. The other guy. Got it. No. <laughs> <laughs> You can you know, say then, it. Marley's off screen right now. <laughs> but no, but Craglin, Craglin for me, um, you know, somebody asked me, who's your favorite guardian? And I was like, Gosh. you know, I actually kind of like Craglin just because Craglin is doing the best he can just to, you know, he's like, he's a little bit of a screw up, but he's trying really hard. Can I tell you, like, in the in movies, when you kind of get a telegraphed forced hero moment, I usually roll my eyes. But with Craglin, when I'm like, okay, this is clearly the point that he uses his arrow and mm-hmm. a super cheesy Yondu vision. Yes. And I'm like, he's going to do it. Yes. And I was super excited for Craglin because it was like, he gets to be the hero <laughs> yes. where he is never the hero. Exactly. Okay. Or okay. get it right. Cause he's always like so clumsy. And that's, yeah. That's what I was saying while you were away. I was just saying like, Craglin is the guy who is like, I got a job, but I'm not sure I'm going to give it to you because eh. yeah. he's, he's just trying his, trying his best. I mean, not quite Barney Fife, you know, not just like the last person on the person who's not even on your list, but he's like, well, okay. And he got to bring um, nowhere to the high evolutionary yes, ship. He did. Okay. That was cool. Can we talk about that for a second? Sure. Because I didn't know they could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that that was like, did they do that, or was that always a thing? Like, did they Jerry rig the? I do not the, recall it being a thing in the comics. The celestial's um, head, his his skull, because yeah. that's what nowhere We're just is. Strap some engines on it and go. I mean, yeah. that's all it takes—just a little bit of force, mass acceleration. 
it's it's straight physics it's yeah it'll be fine i thought that was really cool like i you know i because it's kind of like yeah it's kind of like their home it's their like headquarters their base i mean it and it's the head all, of a dead it, celestial i mean it's yeah. all in one it's, it's a yeah. one-stop shopping it's, thing it's solid but it also like it's also kind of risky too because like all the other people that are there <laughs> what about it's also from what we saw in guardian uh, i can't remember which one it was now um it's kind of a spaceport so what happens when everybody comes bringing their goods looking for nowhere <laughs> and it's not there oh what yeah happens then? it's under new management we move <laughs> occasionally it's a treasure hunt. You have to, or, or what? Are, what are those things when you do the, G, the GPS geocaching? Geo-caching. Oh, there <laughs> um, there's a lot of geo to cache or non geo to cache now. Yes. Oh goodness. Um, but yes, I had to do a quick wardrobe change into my hoodie from. Um, it's it's based on their new uniforms, and like I just want to talk about that for a second because it also I want to tie in what we were talking about with Gamora before, but. I I loved that they all had matching outfits. When they, I mean, like all of the guardians, like it's branding. Yeah, like they all had like the matching things, and it was also fun because it was like their thing. Like mm-hmm. it was it was a callback to Ravagers because that's what they still are. Mm-hmm. You know, Star Lord is still a Ravager, but they are also kind of their own team, and they've come so far and done so much that they have kind of like earned their own way to be like no this is us it's our branding so they've they've come so far and done so much would you say that in the end it doesn't really matter yeah i was gonna say they've come so far but they've got so far to go go. fine um (laughs) but no i was gonna say with gamora though like i think if it what i i wish again with her just kind of being there and grumpy and just kind of sort of adjacent to the team I feel like if anything, she should have been wearing the uniform too. I think it, and maybe it was just kind of more of their way of showing like she is separate from this group and she is different than, you know, she's, yeah, like she's, yeah, she's not part of it, but it would have been also just cool. And just for the sake of, you know, when they're being all cool and walking down, you know, and they're all in their matching uniforms and she's not, and you're just like, can they, can it all match? Like, I don't know. That's just me. But I also just like, am a huge fan of this like more classic look with like the, the dark, dark blue. It definitely inspired by the comics. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have randomly, I have like a star Lord action figure. He's like only like this big and he's wearing that suit. Um, So yeah, when I saw it in like the trailers and stuff, I was like, yeah, we're getting some classic (laughs) stuff going. I like this. Would it have been any better if she'd been wearing like the full Ravager red outfit just as a semi tie, but not quite the same? I think she should have at least been doing that. Yeah. Okay. Because instead, she just kind of looked like Assassin Gamora, like like when we first met her in volume one. I think she kind of was until the end of this movie. I think she was Mm -hmm. because, I mean, you think about her journey as Gamora in Guardians 1 and 2. And it took her some time to become one of the guardians. Yeah. And it took her some time to be part of the team rather than just assassin Gamora. And so they hit reset on that character. She still has the same desires. She still is trying to find her new family. She's still trying to find where she fits in. She still feels a little bit like a lone wolf 
But then by the end of the movie, they give her what she's looking for. And so I don't, I didn't mind her as much, I think, as things like, yes, there were times they could have used her better, but that would have been hard to dance around. Like, how would people feel about this? Sure. Um, but the fact that, you know, if you liked Gamora as a character and not Gamora as a possession of Peter Quill or then Thanos. or Thanos, even at that point, then you're happy for her by the end of this movie because she got what she's looking for. And I think right. that her, her ending shot, the, the pure joy that she had on her face at that very last shot for her, I think shows that she, you know, unlike Bono, she found what she was looking for. <laughs> This is the musical episode, oh if anyone God. was wondering. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Zoe Saldana, she's just like a queen of action movies, honestly. She and space is, action movies. Yeah. She, she's great at what she does. So, yeah, they had to give her plenty of screen time because she's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about a character who had screen time in all three movies and the holiday special. And I think was... They finally gave a little bit of credit. Drax. Mm. Yes. Good old I mean, Drax. Drax. Drax is one of my favorite. I'll get to it. Keep going. No, 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 please. I'd, I'd love to hear this. So when you guys were talking about, um, what's his, Sean Gunn. I'm sorry. I don't know his name. Craglin. Craglin. And you were saying that it was corny, but like good corny. That's something I told my husband at the end of Guardians is that they went back. I think. Marvel has leaned into corny way too much. Modoc, need I say more? <laughs> and they leaned into corny and in guardians, but in such a good, pleasant way. The mm -hmm. last like scenes where Nebula says, Drax, you weren't supposed to be a destroyer. You're supposed to be a dad. I was like, like, that's a corny line. It is. But I was crying because it's very, it's so touching. So that's, that's the thing. Like with Drax, they gave him what he wanted as well. Like, I was going to ask you guys this. Like, what made you cry? Was it the dark stuff? Was it the animal abuse that we kind of talked about? Or was I it the fact cry. that all of these... You're a, oh. you're a robot. You, <laughs> you are not... You, you are not a, an emotional being. Uh, all but, of okay. it. Okay, so what made you emotional? Was it the attacks or the abuse of animals? Or was it the fact that these broken people who have been trying their hardest to make up for something in their lives, finally got the things that they wanted and none of it was saving the galaxy. It was all right. individual things. Like that's what, that's what hit me. Uh, I played D and D and my DM, when we were talking about creating a character, it was years ago said to me, well-adjusted people do not become heroes. If you are a well-adjusted person, you're going to go be a farmer. And this is in the D&D &D world, right? Like you're going to go be a merchant. You are going to be a bartender. You are not going to go out there and fight necromancers. If you're a well-adjusted person, you don't have that drive. Every, and in this for D&D, &D, he was like, every hero is broken somehow. Right. And finding that thing that has broken them helps them to, helps you to know how they can then grow. Unless and I feel that's... Bruce Wayne. Uh, you're saying he's not broken? No, no, you no. think I mean, Bruce he, Wayne is well adjusted? No, 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 no. Dead no. parents. No, 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 no. Bruce, look at that thing that makes him better. I, I think that Bruce is stuck just in a cycle, in a loop, and I, and I don't think he's ever going to get better. Hmm. 
and, and that's that's fair. But he's on a journey. He's trying to get he's, better. He's trying, but I think but he realizes that it's just for him. It's, it's like a hamster wheel. Yes, yes. And so that that's the thing that I felt about this. I felt like James Gunn did a masterful job healing these broken people and setting up the next stage for you know the next stage of Guardians. Uh, were quite amazing if you watched those after credit scenes, but and that's also why I think that this is uh, th- this felt darker is because it you know Marvel movies touch on dark subjects all the time, mm-hmm. but they gloss over them, they make a joke about them, and that's about as far as they go. Well, this one they made you look at it and made you think about it, and then when you really thought about how broken these people were, they delivered on some healing, not completely healing like some of them were just going off but they delivered on some healing which all of the sudden just felt emotional to me uh and and that's what made me like tear up in this movie was like these people who've just wanted to have this thing in their life and have gone to extreme lengths to try to make up for it are finally getting that thing drax gets to be a dad and that was just so emotional to me the juxtaposition between the silly, goofy Guardians group of people. Mm-hmm. And then these dark storylines makes it work so well. Like, you're talking about Bruce Wayne. You know that story is going to be dark. It's not going to be... <laughs> you're not going well, to well, put the dark Knight, Pat yeah. Benatar <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Fun music. Fun 80s music to a lot of Bruce Wayne stuff. Sure. Um, Unless you're talking about the Batusi. Or, or yeah. Hell is for Children. Okay, fine. Pat Benatar might have been a bad example. Okay. <laughs> or Shadows of the Night. Need I go on? Your best shot. Uh, Fire yeah. away. <laughs> Musical episode. You have, yeah, this like bright, beautiful, weird ass world, like the Oregon planet. I can't get over how weird it is, but how like cool it also was because it was very anatomical and very cool. Uh, but then they have, yeah, these dark, I mean, and even all these, like you're saying, they face their mantis doesn't want to feel like she's unheard or stupid, but she goes off on her own to find herself in the end so that she can be that person for herself. Yeah. Drax gets to be a dad, not be looked at as the strong guy, but as someone who has emotional depth and intelligence to help these children. Nebula gets to be in charge and be like be a, a leader, a be no. a leader, and, and have like have more of a purpose and a good purpose, not a purpose to hurt people, but to help people. Yeah, oh, for and sure. agency. I think that's that's yeah. one of the other biggest things for her was agency, not just you know a tool for Thanos. Mm-hmm. And Rocket gets to accomplish what he never got to do, um, and be a leader as well of the Guardians and be the good guy and go to the new planet. Yeah. Uh, it is so heartbreaking to see yeah. how those experiments. Te- so it's teeth's floor and. And uh, Lila. Lila. Yeah. It was so heartbreaking when they're talking about going to the next planet, going to be part of civilization. And you just know that's not going to happen. No. Nope. And, <laughs> and so it's just a an aside for those of you who don't know the guardians outside of the movies rocket was actually a effectively a policeman just to oversimplify for a planet called half world of animal creations like him or anthropomorphic mm-hmm. animals like him um so him him going we're going to go and be on a planet you know we're going to be the next generation and that leads into 
our villain, the High Evolutionary, which Ooh, is a definite yes. different take on the character to a small degree uh, than his comic book origins. His own Earth, he, I'm sorry, in the comics, he's from Earth originally, um, but he did create a race of anthropomorphic animal characters and he lived on Marvel MCU tie-in, Wondagore Mountain, which is where Wanda may have died in Multiverse of Madness. That was actually his stronghold in the comics. But, you know, we get the high evolutionary who's, if there's an epitome of playing God, here's your guy. Right. And he's striving for the perfection that he didn't find in the world. And you look at the affection that he seemed to have for Rocket as he's realized that Rocket is special. And then you look at how dark that his purpose for paying attention to Rocket is and what the underlying motive is. And you're just like, ick, to be to a put whole it very lot simply. of ick. A yeah. whole lot of ick. And he's, you know, if the Guardians have their, their quirks and idiosyncrasies and aren't well, this guy is off the charts. Oh, he can throw a tantrum. My goodness. On that, a dime. He is a fantastic actor. What is his name? Chuck Woody. Uh, what's his last name? Iwuji. Iwuji, yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Like, yeah, he did, like, every single time you saw him on screen, he was yelling about something. And it was just like, I think that what, you know, not even just, like, his abilities and his intelligence to be able to create these um, these life forms and planets and all these other things that he's done... But just to see how, like, it, it almost felt like a little unpredictable at times. Like, he just would fly off the handle at a moment's, like, not even a moment's notice. And you're just like, how? how wow. Like, it just would be. Oh, did I freeze? Nope. No, we're listening oh, to you. Okay. Oh, well, it like, you, you guys I all froze for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I froze for a second. And I was like, oh, no, it's happening again. Um. I lost my train of thought, but basically, yeah, like I just, I felt like every time um, he came on screen, like it was just like, oh boy, what are we, what's going to happen next? What is he going to go off about next? And so it was just, I guess to me, it was like, he was just, he was really fascinating and also kind of scary. He was scary. You know, he read to me as a rich guy with a God complex mm. and I really like, there was no loyalty from him to anybody else. Oh no. And Everybody was because, just there to serve him. Yeah. Yeah. And they were there to serve him and he didn't care about them except when they could help further his goals. And so that, and that's what you were talking about with, he could flip out and have a tantrum at the drop of a hat because he didn't actually care about any of those people. So the second they stopped helping him get towards his goals, he didn't care about them and was willing to, murder them and kill them and and everything but or destroy a planet uh, destroy yeah. a planet yeah Enti yeah 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 i've heard of raising your lab before but i mean he just <laughs> took it to an entirely new level oh that's dark <laughs> and it was I, I i that one felt harder to me because it cr they created basically earth it wasn't some weird alien planet yes there were weird alien creatures on it yeah they're just animal creatures they're animal creatures but mm -hmm. it but it was all recognizable we saw earth in it it was not yeah. a far jump to go to suburban earth, so. houses and 
cookie cutter houses and yeah, very. And that was a take directly yeah. out of the comics as well. He created a, a planet called Counter Earth, where he was just like, we're just going to do our thing over here and Earth can go float rocks for, for all intents and purposes. So that was a direct draw from the comics. Well, and then to go on uh, the spaceship and to see all the children that had been locked up. That again is going to hit your heartstrings to see the way he not only uses but will use children. Like it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if it's animal and an anthropomorphic tized animal or whatever. It's all about his purpose, his goals. It reminded me of uh, Masco Zorro at the end of that. So with now, the child, I- the people locked up. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the at the mine. You're talking yes. about the mine. Never yeah. mind. I got. We got you. <laughs> we got there eventually. There now. We got it. <laughs> I've seen oh. a fan theory floating around with all of the potential issues that Jonathan Majors is having uh, with his uh, with his alleged allegations against him. Mm-hmm. Is that it would be really cool to have uh, the guy who played the High Evolutionary. Just casually reveal that that's just a variant king. Oh, interesting. And that might be a good uh, change. And have him step into the role of king. I mean, I guess if that's what they have to do, but yeah, I mean, like nobody wants any changes there. Like outside of you know, outside of the people, uh, the the skills, the acting skills are all just on par. Like. High oh, evolutionary yeah. is great. No doubt. Uh, King's great. That. But just the way things are, they yeah. might have to be looking for backups. And I think he's a pretty good backup plan for for, for would, this King. Yeah, thing. I would that. And I mean, he has some of the same characteristics as King, so it all works out there. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting theory. I like it. I uh, love how Rocket had the opportunity to kill him and said, I'm not going to do that. I'm a guardian. Although the you can see behind them all the dead people from the battles before. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you see, uh, there's a quote where Peter Quill tells Groot, kill them all when they yep. do the very cool fight scene mm-hmm. on the high evolutionaries. Yes. Um, like observation deck. So I was actually a little disappointed during the fight scene where they're all missing each other, where you know half the team is here, half the team is there, and they completely miss each other. And Rocket's fighting, and I missed um, something from the comics for him. Just going, blam! I killed you. Blam! I killed you. Blam! I killed you. Which I was like, <laughs> I was waiting for that, looking at the way that they shot it, because it would have been the perfect um, opportunity for that. And I kind of expected it, and oh uh, dang, was maybe a little disappointed that I didn't get that. But eh. their fight scenes were cool. I think they were very creative with their fight choreography and did mm-hmm. some things that we like. It hadn't really seen much before. Well, and even back to that fleshy planet that we keep talking about. Um, and like Nathan Fillion's character oh as he was, <laughs> as he was like the, the captain of that guard or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, cause that was, that was fun to bring him back and to, I guess, to see his face too, because he was in guardians volume one, but he's and kind of in two. Is he kind of in two? He was on movie posters around town in two as oh. Simon Williams. Oh, gotcha. Oh. But yeah, so just to like actually have like him there, like more as a human. Um, yeah, so like even, yeah, that was that was a definitely a fun cameo, I guess you could say. Um, well, and they I mean, did another. friend. 
and James Gunn always connects <laughs> yeah. his friends. Yes, definitely. And that's another tease where they like Drax could have died there. Mm-hmm. They could have killed off Drax, and they didn't, obviously. And I, I thought he was going with us. I, I, I kind of did I too. He was dead. I think they were playing. I think that that was one of the things that Gunn planned and executed well was there were many scenes throughout the movie where any of the characters could have died, and you're like, okay, not necessarily happy with the choice that somebody's going to die, but it's like it would have been appropriate at that point mm-hmm. and move the story. That like, okay, well, you know, they're they've talked about moving on, and this this is it. I feel like this was the most James Gunn marvel movie that he has ever done that if you think back to who james gunn is as a director he's a provocateur he likes to put people on edge and make them uncomfortable and i feel and i don't know if it's because marvel had their controversy and scandal with him and fired him and then rehired him and all of that controversy but I feel like James Gunn got to be more James Gunn. And I don't know if it's it had to do with the scandal or just the fact that uh, Marvel seems to be letting their directors actually put in a little bit more of their flair into each of the movies, like the Sam Raimi uh, yeah, multiverse flair of Multiverse of Madness and some James Gunn in here. Like, and, and 100%, I think James Gunn is the reason why the movie was dark because he didn't let you look away and brush off something with a corny joke he made you look at it until you were uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And then he resolved it. Right. And that's why it feels dark. Well, and even just back to the whole, like um, the story with rocket, um, obviously, you know, he, they, they were able to save him and take care of him. And, and when they were on the high evolutionary ship and trying to, um, you know, take care of business there, I, I thought it was kind of interesting how he was like, only save the high intelligent life forms or something like that. He was like, everybody only get these people and get off the the ship. Yeah. Yeah. Like he said, yeah. He's like, no, like just everybody just keep going. Like we got to get off the ship and get out of here. But then he kind of has his own plan where he's going after, um, to the animals but it seemed like at first because he goes directly to the cage that has all those little baby raccoons, which that's where I lost it. That's where I got emotional was in that scene there when he's able to just like hold them all. And like, he's like, you're free. Come with me. And they're like, they're like all like on top of him. And then like the whole time I'm like, well, this is nice. This is really good. And then you're like, but there's a lot more animals here. And like, at first you kind of wonder, was rocket only going to come back for the raccoons or was he, like, cause he kind of pa- he he pauses, and maybe that's just for his own his own sake, just to kind of make that connection with these um with these this anim- these animals that are the same species as him technically, and then all of a sudden, then you realize how big this menagerie of animals is in this ship when when you know he basically gets help from everybody else to to free them, and they're all running and they're trying to get off the ship like. I think that was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie to see all of them also get freed. So not even just like the people, but like, because, because they hit so hard throughout the show when showing uh, Rocket's backstory, you know, him being an animal, you know, and just like bringing on that whole element. Like it was nice to see that justice and that freedom that they got too. 
Well, one of the other things we get with Rocket from that was the entire trilogy. Rocket has always been, there ain't nothing in the universe like me but me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then he stops at the cage and sees, you know, he sees the cre- he sees the rac- the baby raccoons, and then sees the the uh, label inside the cage that tells him what they are and raccoon, which brings mm-hmm. every time Peter has called him a raccoon, he's like, I'm not a raccoon. Yeah, it, or you know, it brings that full circle, mm-hmm. and he finds out not only you know finds out what he is, but he's not alone. He's not the yeah. only one. Yep. Because oh, he's yeah. always been so, I mean, his backstory is horrific, but he's always been so guarded about being the only one of his kind. Mm-hmm. So you get that kind of, I'm not, I, I get to, I get to belong to something larger than just, you know, me, even the guardians. Well, even him being solitary because he lost all his friends and being the last one of the experiments of the four of them, he's mm-hmm. had, yeah, he put up his guards. Mm-hmm. And so to see, him go straight for like the raccoons makes perfect sense. But then to see him see the bigger picture, see his friends, what could have happened to, and then let everyone escape. Yeah. It's, it's very touching. Mm-hmm. And I did ball Definitely. through that. Yeah. I, yeah. can I just say how, how amazing I thought it was when he, when they were picking names and rocket chose rocket, it was just so innocent and childlike Mm-hmm. compared to the i'm rocket and i'm the i'm this guy who will take that person's arm and that person's leg and blam <laughs> right. i killed you and so just to have a bit oh that's a rocket i'm going to fly and just that was, i just i just thought that was great like well, rocket, think... rocket's death in this movie definitely became way more than i thought it was going to be i think that yeah. everybody kind of found depth that we didn't even through the other uh, Two Guardians, Endgame, Ragnarok, and I need to come back to Ragnarok for just a minute. Um, that they gained depth, a little, another level of depth that we hadn't gotten before. I mean, we've gotten growth in the characters definitely across them, with the possible exception of Drax until this movie. And we finally get just that extra little, like, frosting the cake, just to kind of, you know, wrap it, everything, wrap it all up and, and send them on their merry way for the future. Um, and going back to what Brandon was saying a few minutes ago about Marvel letting directors put their stamp on movies now, they've done it in the past. Um, I would say that no matter how you look at it, Thor, for example, was definitely a Kenneth Branagh Shakespearean movie. So it's not like they haven't done that before. Um, however, there have been times I think they've let the director go a little overboard and that's where I look at the Guardians in, uh, sorry, Love and Thunder, not Ragnarok. Um, because we've seen the Guardians under somebody else's pen now, Taika Waititi, and it didn't feel right. So I think that James Gunn, over the course of, I can't remember when the first Guardians movie came out, so let's call it seven, eight years with these characters and molding them with his vision of who these Guardians were was one thing and looking at them for the first 10 minutes of love and thunder is like those are the guardians but they're not (laughs) my guardians i guess would be the best way to put it it definitely felt off like yeah no i remember seeing when i when we were seeing love and thunder in the theater it was like what what is going on here like you can tell like they they tried 
But there was um, a comic relief. An attempt was made. Yeah, an attempt was made, and like there was the like the connection and like it was really just a purpose to show how Thor was not with them anymore and was going to go off and do his own thing. Like that was all obviously the purpose of it, but it did feel very like, I don't know. It just, it felt like it was a little unnecessary. Like, and I think that's because Hollywood learns the wrong lessons from movies. If you remember back, uh, it was August 1st, 2014, by the way, when the first guardians of the galaxy came out. Uh, Google's my friend. <laughs> you but, just knew it off the top of your head, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's why I'm here. <laughs> um, but the, if, if, if you go back to that, go back a few months, and I was sitting in a movie theater for another movie with my dad, who is a nerd. Uh, he won't admit that he's a nerd, but he goes and sees all these comic book movies, took me all the X-Men movies and stuff like that when I was a kid. But he turned to me and he's like, they're making a movie about a raccoon and a talking tree. And he was just like, so like, I don't know about this. And then it just, it just exploded at the box office and did so well. And everybody loved it. And there was the joke, the sketches on Saturday Night Live about how Marvel could do no wrong, announcing chairs and having, (laughs) uh, and and having uh, Chris Pratt walk out with a bunch of office chairs rolling behind him and, and having be like it's a success well after guardians of the galaxy came out i feel like marvel fell into the same the same beats and tropes for all of their movies the the the, the humor yes like yes that was great for guardians of the galaxy but then all of a sudden everything had to be humorous Mm -hmm. you you go from thor to to love and thunder or Ragnarok and there's it's just like okay it's Guardians of the Galaxy but with Thor okay you know all of these different movies that could have been done so well like my favorite thing about phase one of the MCU is you had different kinds of movies Mm -hmm. you know you had uh, Winter Soldier was a spy thriller with superheroes Uh, you had all of these different types of movie Captain America was a World War II movie with superheroes and we lost that after guardians of the galaxy. And I was actually a little bit resentful to guardians of the galaxy for a while about that. Uh, but at this point after three, I feel like James Gunn was like, no, I was doing that for a reason. And this is the ultimate payoff that we get. Mm-hmm. But Hollywood says, Oh, guardians of the galaxy one made a ton of money. Let's just copy what they did. Right. And without understanding why they did it. Marvel got high on their own stuff. <laughs> In my opinion. Um, and I I have not been uh, non-vocal about my opinions about phase four. Uh, the beginnings of phase five, which that's what, are we in phase five now? Is that what yes. this is? Have been meh. Uh, they've been meh. Like, come on. They have not been great. And I think this has changed that tide for me, in my opinion. I went in expecting very little. Uh, already a strike against them for having Chris Pratt still in this series. Um, but then I'm sorry, that was my Chris Pratt for the for the night. I won't say anything else bad about him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I went in expecting meh. I didn't. The second one was fine, and I came out really, really enjoying this film. It. Yeah. So you were satisfied. 
I've never no, no, no. been satisfied. Well, no, no, no. Because I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a Hamilton. Looking at the, more music. <laughs> looking at the arc that the Guardians have taken, going, take them out of Endgame and out of Love and Thunder, but just the arc that they've taken in their series. Did you feel this was a satisfying end to at least this iteration of the Guardians for you? Oh, absolutely. Okay. And uh, in fact. I was very excited by the end. The end credit scenes with Rocket being the leader of the Guardians was great. The end credit scene with Peter Quill saying that he will be back. I was like, eh, is that the person? Out of all the story, he was definitely not the main character in this movie. Is that the story that I would choose to have continued on? No. I have a theory about that. Let's talk about it. Um, so they said specifically the legendary Star-Lord would continue. Okay, well, let's look at where the legendary Star-Lord is on Earth. What's the next movie that we're getting? Mar- well, I think it's the next one. Marvels. The, the next movie that goes to space. We have Nick Fury coming back in Secret Invasion and mm-hmm. looking at, you know, the scroll takeover of political power and Earth over whatever period of time. And then we go into the Marvels after that series wraps. Fury is not an unintelligent person, so he's going to know, he, and he's got his eyes on everything and everyone. So I get the feeling he's going to I... notice when a spaceship shows up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Have eye patch, will travel. Okay. Um, <laughs> he has his eye on everyone and everything. So I think he's going to notice when a spaceship shows up and drops off this guy in Minnesota. and I'm oh, sorry, Missouri. In Missouri. Missouri. Um, and I get the feeling that he may be at least cameoed in the Marvels mm. on the, um, it's not called the peak saber station. So that's, that's my theory. Mm. We will see if, or sword station. We will see if it comes to pass or not, but I think that that may be where we see him again, um, as an attache to fury. Yeah, I know. I didn't. Yeah, when I saw that at the very end of the end credits as well, I was like, I was a little like, wait, really? I thought this was supposed to be like the conclusion of this version of Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's like, are are we not done with Star-Lord? But well, then I but I, I can see it definitely more as he's going to pop in here and there or just here. Just, you know, maybe only one thing. And then... um he's not going to get his own movie. I don't, I don't, the, I don't think that's going to happen. He may be a through line character in the way that fury was in phase one. He mm-hmm. might be a lesser through line character in other movies mm-hmm. to, to kind of push certain things forward. Um, but they could also be going a little, they could be leaning more into his comic book origins where he worked for NASA and he was a astronaut. No, he was an astronaut for NASA. And I think he also worked in security there. Uh, with Carol Danvers. So they may be leaning a little bit to that and putting him in um, with sword to kind of uh, walk, you know, walk that line or have him just there as, I'm sorry, the Coulson effectively. Right. 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 Just kind of tie things along. That's who I was thinking of too. When you said that, do we have any ideas or know who they were alluding to as the man mowing the lawn? I guess his grandfather's son. Isn't that who they were? His I, uncle? That there was somebody else. Yeah, they there was definitely. Well, yeah, because doesn't he like 
like I get he's your son and everything, but I don't know why this grown man won't mow your lawn. Or I guess he wasn't mowing the lawn, and that was the problem. So it felt like there was something like, like why mention it? Be a big, yeah, it's going to be a yeah. twist to see who that he's person is. Hey, there you go. Well, yeah, like that whole end credit scene with Star Lord talking to his grandpa. Uh, like, I don't really even know what the whole purpose of that was. And maybe we don't know yet. And like, that's the thing is like, maybe it was all just to mention this, this other person or something, but I don't know. I felt like it was, I'm like me and me and my husband, after we watched this movie, we're like, did we really just wait after all the credits for that? <laughs> I don't know. It felt very lackluster to us. I feel um, part of that was to deliver on the, this is who Star-Lord really wants to be. This mundane life is what mm-hmm. this bigger than life character actually wants. Yeah. And so I I mean cuz there's so many people who are living the quote unquote mundane life that dream of bigger things who are like, you know what? The grass is always greener. I've I am going to go on a, a bit of a tangent. I know we don't do that on this show, but if you'll if you'll not, uh, not always me. always on topic. Come on. So this past month, literally the day after I got back from Disneyland, the, the city that I live in left a notice on my door saying, hey, you have a water leak somewhere. Go find it and let us know and we'll get it fixed. Oh, God. And and I said, OK, so we shut off all the water in my house and it was the meter was still spinning. And uh, there was a and a, a just mess after mess after mess, multiple plumbers, people who didn't know what they were doing, uh, people who ruined stuff in my house. Um, till finally it's, it's been resolved on Friday. And then this, this morning, the, uh, water heater started leaking, but that's, that's a whole different plumbing issue, but it's so stressful. It's like my life. I, I just want to get in a spaceship and fly away. Right. However, however, uh, I remember it was about a week ago. I was in a gas station, uh, getting a soda and on the gas station music came on the music that I listened to in high school because I'm old now. And that music is now on in gas stations and stuff like that. And uh, there was a song that came on that was talking about how this guy's life was a mess. It was difficult. There was lots of stuff going on. Things were breaking left and right. But he had a beautiful wife and a loving family and he couldn't ask for more. Right. And so in the musical episode, I actually did not reference any of the actual lyrics to that song, just to give give us all a break. <laughs> um, but I remembered, I, I listened to that, and I remember thinking back in high school, you know what? That's what I want. I want a life that it's going to be messy, but ultimately when it gets down to it, I've got people that I love around me, and I've got, uh, and my family is safe, and we're secure, and we have the things we need. Life just kind of sucks sometimes. The things in life suck sometimes, not life itself. And all of a sudden, my attitude towards this disaster that I had in my front yard, like literally a 10 foot hole in my front yard. Uh, I was joking. I was putting a swimming pool in my front yard. Uh, That sounds like a dad joke. I mean, you had to joke, (laughs) joke or cry. But all of a sudden, that hole did not feel quite as big the next time I saw it because I was like, no, this is what I wanted. And, you know, a couple days later, I saw I saw Guardians of the Galaxy. And this end credit scene felt very much like that. It's like, you know mm-hmm. what? This is a mundane life. We're arguing about who's mowing the lawn or who's not mowing the lawn. Okay. And, but mm-hmm. you know what? I'm, I'm with my family and life's good. 
And so I part of me wonders if it wasn't trying to get to that a little bit. Although knowing Marvel, they've got some, oh, his brother was, you know, his sister's already Mantis, right? So his brother is somebody else completely. Uh, I like your explanation better, though. I do, too. I think that, <laughs> that's a lot better take. <laughs> I, I hope that's what it was, but that's it requires a very specific set of circumstances in your life to recognize that. <laughs> so it may not be the best choice for a multi-million dollar box office movie. So maybe you were at the right place at the right time and all this had to happen to you to see the big picture They wrote of this Guardians. for me specifically. Specifically for you. Oh, was it, did you not see it in like, the credits at the very, very end? After Legendary Star Little Return, this was for Brandon. Oh, please if you're ever giving a talk at like a church or something working guardians of the galaxy into it oh my gosh oh i i, I work in nerd references into every every public speaking talk that i have yes do. yes church work whatever it is i love it i love it speaking of music and that song coming on for you having them end it with dog days are over was so brilliant and so mm-hmm. lovely and so joyful. I love Florence and the Machine regardless, but I thought that that song and like music has been such a big deal for all of the Guardians movies. Yeah. I think definitely. this soundtrack was amazing, but especially the dog days are over at the end just like hit the spot for me. It just felt light. It felt like right now we can be joyful and then we have to get to work and get this stuff done. But right now, let's like choose choose joy. And so it's just, I don't know. I loved that ending scene. It, it was, was a nice great. bookend to how Guardians 1 opened with Peter on a job, but just, you know, dancing his way to the, to the site with, you know, singing Redbone all the way, you know, through. I'm oh, sorry, uh, Hooked on a Feeling. Sorry. So that would be uh, Blue Swede. In the beginning, but it was you know light, happy, fun song, and we get it bookended with a fun song at the end of this trilogy. I think it was a nice, nice touch. Yeah, one of the interviews that I saw where they were promoting this movie, Chris Pratt said that you know James Gunn had his hand in every musical selection for this, and so it wasn't just a oh yeah, this song will have will be good here. It's it's a popular song. It was a this is the emotion that I want to drive home right now. Like it, it was, a, it was planned beginning to end. And even if it wasn't planned, it was, it was tied together very well. Yeah. Well, and even just with the eras too. So like he had the tapes, the cassette tape, you know, volume one and volume two, and then eventually he got a zoom. And, so <laughs> and so even then, like the, the music that was picked for each of those, um, you know, soundtracks that they had that, you know, cause it was Star-Lord. Like to me, like the, the thing I would always like think of is like, it's like Star-Lord is the DJ in this. Like this is, we're hearing his soundtrack, you know, that he had on his tape and, and then a Zune, obviously. Cause I mean, they showed that and, you know, throughout the, the trilogy, but like, it was just fun to hear the different eras. Kids. Before iPhones played all your music, <laughs> you had to have a whole separate contraction contraption to hold a your device. Music. <laughs> yes. It used to be called an iPod. Those are no longer things. I and still have mine. A cheaper <laughs> version called a Zune. Actually, for the it wasn't parents. that cheaper. 
wasn't it? <laughs> no, I worked in a computer store at the time and was buddy buddy with a Microsoft rep, and they were trying to get us to sell Zunes so bad, they, <laughs> they just didn't sell. Oh, <laughs> uh, I always had uh, off-brand iPods, music holder. I don't know. So yes, Zunes are great. MP3 players. MP3 player. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I I feel very much like I'm getting to the old stage now too, where it's like. That was my childhood. <laughs> I know. I know. My best friend had a I had my best friend had a Zoom growing up and I always thought she was like weird because it's like but I thought everybody else had like these other devices whether it was just a plain MP3 player or an iPod, you know, like the brand name versus not. And all of a sudden there's this new one called Zoom and I'm like, "Why did you get that one?" Like I just remember that. and it they was brown. brown. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> They were the ugliest colors. And like, here's an iPod that has like all these like fun colors and, da -da -da. and shiny and all that stuff. Yeah. I had one of those like nanos, the ones that were square and it was red. It was actually the color of this red on my hoodie. It was like a berry and it was like limited edition. I thought I was so cool. You guys. You are. I am. You Thank are. you. That's where it all started. I, I should have gotten myself a, a, a red iPod nano. They were limited edition. Like, Yeah. Good luck finding one. No, <laughs> they're probably in museums now, Marley. Ugh. Can they pay me to to put mine in a museum? I'd let them take it. There's still music on it. Even they can scroll through my playlists <laughs> and music videos because uh, it had the screen that you could do videos. Yeah, watch not to be those watch your music on videos. Phones. Yeah, that's it. I'm on eBay right now. I can buy a red iPod Nano third generation with eight gigabytes for 25 bucks. <laughs> wait, but wait, is it the red, red one? Or is it like the special Marley? Like, very, it, okay. it, we'll talk about this <laughs> it does matter because there's different reds. Oh, but it, but it's, it's, it's not the square one that people were turning into Apple watches before Apple watches were things. Those can go up oh. to 140 bucks. Okay. I'm going to look this up, but let's keep going. Let's keep going here. But yes, no tangents music. on this show. Yes. Music is a huge, huge part of this trilogy. And like, it was just, I loved how they, like, they, they kept it. They kept it real for each of the episode or not episodes, <laughs> each of the movies. And so it was fun to hear kind of a different, not different, but like, to me, it was a different soundtrack in volume three. Honestly, well, we had were... more than one DJ because yeah. you started out with rocket yeah, that's and, then, true. and then Nebula played some stuff. And Yeah. And there was a lot of songs I didn't recognize, but at the same time, like I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. So good feelings. I actually did not like the first guardian of the galaxy because of the soundtrack well no it's a lie really? I've, I've, I've liked it but I always, i've always felt resentful towards the first guardians of the galaxy because of its soundtrack because it's so good yes yes that's exactly <laughs> what it is because i'm like do i actually like this movie or does the soundtrack really just hit on all of the right buttons for me to to have good emotions during it and so oh. i for the longest time could not well still i don't know if I like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, or if I just, the music just gets me. And I've ultimately decided it doesn't matter. Because so you're against people manipulating your emotions with music. Good to know. I know. It makes media really hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but there was just so much of it in the first one. 
yeah. the second one was okay but by this third one i just really think this third movie tied everything together from the music to the emotions to the humor like it just wrapped up the trilogy so much better and i've i've talked about this a lot on other podcasts but i really think in a trilogy your third movie can either make or break it um oh absolutely like i did not like infinity war until endgame came out because i don't think you were supposed to yeah right no and people did not like empire strikes back until return of the jedi came back came out uh people didn't like the second uh lord of the rings movie until the third one came out like it's a pattern that happens like if you go read reviews for those movies for those second movies that leave you on the not so great uh list that third movie will either make or break that well and this one definitely made it book trilogies have that problem too where i feel like you hit the first one so hard that it convinces you to finish the series but a lot of times this third third one it, it ties fails it up you. yeah but no. it fails you i mean allegiant or the divergent series with allegiant uh the hunger games hits that real hard so well and even back to the marvel movies like with the thor trilogy quadrilogy <laughs> because like i feel like they they did that though because like the first one i feel like it was a pretty solid movie on its own it did enough to like keep people interest or get people interested in this character of Thor. And then when the second one came out, that was a little more disappointing, but then the third one was so good and so strong. Like it's still like one of my on, like in my top list of like favorite Marvel movies. And so here we were like, okay, <laughs> Thor is good again. We're happy again. And then they come out of love and thunder and you're like, I had high hopes and they were <laughs> crushed what and so it just kind of like it just it, i don't know if it ruined it i don't know if that's quite here let right me help you with that term. it's thor the force awakens oh my gosh <laughs> the secret to a to a good marvel movie is to have low expectations is what i'm hearing unfortunately yeah. no that's not yeah. it i think that the secret no. is is a good story is letting the development of the characters carry the story properly and not pandering to total fan service mm -hmm. which unfortunately i think that I, I i don't know where love and thunder went completely off the rails the director i don't like taika waititi <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I can see myself out now if you, you want me to. But uh, I love Taika, but no, there was so much Taika I think he... in Love and Thunder that it, it yeah. it's yeah, like to, like to your what you were saying before, James Gunn did James Gunn really well in this movie. Taika Waititi did not do Taika Waititi really well. Nor did he in do Love James Gunn well. Yeah, well, no, yes, definitely, <laughs> yeah, like because Ragnarok, he did do good. Mm -hmm. And then we, and again, like our hopes were really high and it just didn't, he didn't do it the same. He tried to bring in other stuff that was going on and it just didn't work. It was a little, it was just muddled. Yeah. What do you think has been the best film since this? Uh, I'm going to say this has been my favorite film in the last hot long time. In What's the, been the your Marvel favorite Universe? film? In the I mean, Marvel I universe, I feel yes, like no. this could be an entirely different. To a Marvel, I feel like this could be a very different or a, a whole episode on Age of Geek just on its own. 
Are we including phase four or? Yeah, uh, include it all. I mean, include, maybe don't include the TV shows, but it's been a, so many of them have been misses lately. Well, lately, I, yeah, it's been a little bit harder. And especially with like we had, I feel like we had three in a row that were just really, really difficult to to continue to like and to watch and keep up with everything that's going on in Marvel. We had Multiverse of Madness, um, Love and Thunder, and Quantumania that were like, I don't, to me, like, because I, I know I've said this before on this podcast, like, it would take a lot for me to hate a Marvel movie. It would take so, so much. Like, I'm, I'm a little more like, well, there's still some good things about it, but it's not on the top of my list. And then all this, and and then all of a sudden we get this one, volume three of Guardians, and I'm like, wow, this was, this was like a breath of fresh air. This is like what we needed to give some, I guess, hope that like Marvel is okay. Marvel is still doing fine. If you are feeling burnt out, that's fine. You can feel burnt out. You don't have to keep watching these if you don't want to. But like, let's just enjoy them for like what they are too, and what is being built up because. I know Robert um, and I, like, we've had conversations on this podcast, and especially Robert, talking about Phase 4 and the purpose of Phase 4, and we're still kind of getting out of that, I think. We're still in that, like, trying to pick up and find the right speed with Marvel again. I would argue this movie could fit Phase 4 as the ta- as a tail end or transition out of 4, mm-hmm. not necessarily be like, you know, 4 plus or 4B. Um, just because of the traumatic experiences going into it and but there was no loss in this movie which was the overarching theme for phase four other i mean let me take that back because that's not true our characters outside of rocket did experience the same level of loss that um we saw throughout the rest of phase four um but this one i think was a good stepping stone to something more more positive, less bleak, I guess would be a way to put it, than Phase 4 was. Um, Steph, to answer your question, I think that for me, one of the things out of the last, let's call it two years of Marvel movies, I might have to go two and a half, Shang-Chi. I enjoyed that for what it was. And it was, I mean, it was a really good self-contained story that just happened to be in the Avengers universe. I will share... Uh, this, a similar point, maybe not as vehemently as Val uh, from the movies that make us do, that you built up Shang-Chi as you know the next character, and we have not heard anything about him since then, even though we've seen Kamertaj, where we know that uh, Wong took him and Katie at the end of Shang-Chi. You know, we've heard nobody even reference him at all. So I think that they're wasting a little bit of that potential uh, for his introduction. But I think that for me, the, Shang-Chi was probably one of the strongest movies that Marvel has done outside of this one in the past two to three years. I 100% agree with that. Uh, and if you ever want to do a Shang-Chi uh, follow-up podcast on this, I it, am, was it was great. I because, because it was great because it was one of those things. It was one of those it was one of those movies that it was a martial arts movie set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. Martial arts movie with superheroes. Yes. Um, and I and like I've I've already talked about how I love that. Um, I don't know. Did you guys see the interview with James Gunn where he was talking about how superhero fatigue is real? 
mm-hmm. but it's not because mm-hmm. of superheroes. Yeah. Uh, he basically said that uh, people are getting fatigued from superhero movies, not because because of superheroes, but because these movies are coming out with no story, no character development. They're just vehicles to let people punch things. Yeah. And yeah. and that's what people are getting tired of. And we've that's what we've spent the whole night. We haven't really talked much about the action scenes here about Guardians. We've talked about the emotional character journeys that have happened and you know a couple of the special effects like nowhere flying, but nothing really about like the fight scenes. Like we're not that that hasn't been the key point of this movie. Uh pre-show we were talking about the Walking Dead and the zombies aren't the villains in there. They happen to be in the world, but you have that. And that's what drove, in my opinion, The Walking Dead so well is because it wasn't a story about zombies where they wanted to show you the scariest zombies every week. It was a story about people mm-hmm. that happened to have zombies, zombies in it. Too. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the, I, I, think, yeah. I, think that's, I think that's what we uh, I think that's what we could have in the Marvel movie. A story about people just happens to have superheroes in it the movies lacked heart. And I think that we got that with Shang-Chi. I think that we definitely got that in spades with this. I think that, to be fair, I think that Taika Waititi tried to some degree to give it to us in um, Love Love and Thunder and missed the mark because not only did you get Thor's story with um, Thor's story with Jane, but you also had Gore's story with his daughter and trying to say that. So he tried, but he just missed the mark with it. How much do you think that's the studio forcing them to interconnect movies? Because there's this movie, which is not connected to the rest of the MCU, except for Guardians 1, 2, and 3, right? Like, it references uh, events of Endgame. And the well. holiday special. Uh, it's, <laughs> it, Guardians. It's Guardians. I know, I know. And, and so, like, it doesn't reach out to the rest of the world to be its thing. Shang-Chi is just in the Avengers world, in the MCU. Uh, before Shang-Chi, probably my favorite was Doctor Strange, the first one. And that mm-hmm. was the same thing. It was a standalone movie. And so if they are forcing them to make these connections, then all of a sudden you get weird Guardians of the Galaxy writers and you get things that cause these issues. That Like Ant-Man was not an Ant-Man movie. It was a setup for Phase 5. Like it would, it did not match the tone or the action of any of the Ant-Man movies. And I felt like, okay, they made them do this because they needed to connect it to the wider universe and they needed to make their wider universe story progress. They needed to yeah introduce King. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was a well, King vehicle. Bring it. Yeah. Bring it mo- him more yeah. into it because he's only just in a very small part at the very end of Loki. Ant-Man is the, is probably ant-man what is quantumania yes sorry but it is corny for the sake of being corny and i hated that so much because i love paul rudd and i think he plays paul rudd but he played paul rudd and did so much corny so corny corny and they did it so much better in this film so yeah i do hope that it's starting to change and uh take an upward turn it might be on the DC side now that James Gunn is over there, but dear Lord, oh. I hope so. I'm here for it. That's a topic for we'll another use flash as a vehicle to get rid of Ezra Miller. Um, 
We'll talk about that it's in a future episode, deep. I'm sure. <laughs> supposed to be in any other of the Marvel films, or is we don't? He's know. done. He's done so far. Like I would be, I would be shocked if Marvel hired him to run to direct a movie as he is the he's Kevin Feige for the DC universe now. Is it'd be yeah. like it'd be like DC hiring Kevin Feige to direct a Batman movie. Okay. Although yeah. Kevin Feige is going to go to a Batman movie and go, here's my notebook and we could have made this movie better. <laughs> like he did with Spider-Man. Yeah. No, I think James Gunn is done with, uh, no. with Marvel. What's well, up? his contract, I think that his contract, if I remember reading it correctly, is like at least a, I think it's a five to 10 year contract. And I see him being a DC exclusive. And I really, I am insanely curious to see how he treats the properties. I know he's going to treat them as a fan and with a level of reverence that that they have not had for far too long. Um, but I think that for me, you know, the fact that he was he's come out saying we're doing you know a new Superman, a younger Superman who's not you know necessarily at the top of his game, but he's just getting he's early in the game. I'm curious to see that, but I have a I have a very high mental bar for that to hurt to, to clear to see what he can do i think the gun is capable of doing it i'm hoping he does it correctly and doesn't put too much of his fan affinity into it and pulls back and goes or at least has somebody you can go maybe we should dial this back a bit because i think that having as much you know writing directing and producing credit on this without somebody to have that kind of hey james back it up a bit is where we get into trouble it's like george lucas on episode one yes exactly that do you know who they could get to play young superman will poulter (laughs) well he's already used him in a movie so it's it's entirely possible yeah (laughs) he's a james gunn friend now right (laughs) yeah once a friend of james gunn i mean that might not be true I mean, I did you see Peacemaker? And did you see Guardians of the Galaxy three? I'm just saying. <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> yeah. I, I, no. I, no, to be to be fair, I don't think it was a bad call though. I think that getting Chakwudi Iwoji to play the High Evolutionary, as we said earlier, his range and how quickly he could turn that range and make the the, the almost manic swings back and forth so quickly, I think it was a great choice for the character i i would you know love to see him in pretty much anything at this point hell make him lex luthor james gunn make him lex luthor i could see that (laughs) i mean anyone has to be better than um jesse eisenberg jesse eisenberg oh come on seriously we have been talking for over an hour and a half and we need to end but we cannot end before we talk about the last cosmo groot oh Oh. i guess cosmo as well oh cosmo (laughs) did Groot have a story in this no no but i don't even care i didn't make the connection to uh, what that last scene with groot actually saying words was alluding to I, until I, afterwards same like when i watched it i was, I was like, like i was oh, upset is he because, like growing up now or well i was upset because i'm like no this is wrong why are we under like no he's supposed to just say i am Groot, and then we know what he means but yeah i think you're seeing that you're going to the same thing that i was gonna say so go ahead steph 
Yeah, that now that we've gone on this journey with them and we've become part of their story and their family, we can now understand what Groot is saying. The way Gamora at the end started picking up what Groot was saying because and, she yeah. was that how the rest, yeah, we are all connected, yeah, and how the rest of the guardians seem to know what he how he is communicating to them so yeah that was kind of yeah like their way of saying hey yeah you the audience you also understand Groot so him saying I love you guys that was him saying I I am Groot well they foreshadowed what your reaction should have been with Gamora when Mm -hmm. she realized wait I just understood what this tree said yeah uh and she was like wait like she was taken aback tell him i'll yeah. be right there like that this is weird and so then a few minutes later we get the translation it's like oh this is weird like we... <laughs> uh, now i i didn't see the movie like on opening day or prior to that i uh was dealing with a giant hole in my front yard for qu- quite a bit of the month and so i didn't get to it until like a week later so i went into it having seen a headline saying understanding Groot just means that you uh the or hearing those words mean that you understand Groot not that he actually said those words yeah I managed to avoid I think every spoiler because I didn't see the movie until Friday night oh wow so the I think that I might have heard something about Groot says something that's different but I didn't know what so I got to get that fresh yeah. Um, but the the take on you know we are now part of the family, which means now we're going to be driving fast cars in space. Um, <laughs> Vin Diesel, baby. <laughs> um, but I like that. I like that take. Yeah, I know. I wish I. I honestly, I wish I had gotten that spoiler before seeing it because then it would have made more sense to me. Or yeah, because I was like, what is going on? Yeah, I was like, we're not supposed to be. No, this is not right. Like I would. Oh my god, we are Thor. Me and my <gasps> me and my husband were both just so like, no, like he can't all of a sudden talk. Like we were both upset about it. <laughs> I saw a meme of Michelle Rodriguez saying, "There's just too many damn Marvel movies," and then knowing that we just came out with Fast X, it's like, come on, come on, ma'am, come on. We cannot say that. <laughs> is she just is she just mad because she hasn't been in one yet? Maybe. Maybe that's it. How many I mean, Resident Evil movies was she in? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. The thing that made me the most upset about the I love you guys line was it just sounded like Vin Diesel. It, like, it Groot, like Groot has not sounded like Vin Diesel to me. Like I, if I sat there and thought about it, okay, I am Groot. Yeah, I guess that is kind of Vin Diesel. But the I love you guys, it was like, oh, just, just make it not sound like Vin Diesel because... <laughs> Because he's just Fast and the Furious. We're family. <laughs> what What were you going to say about Cosmo? Um, I like the fact that we got Cosmo. We got to see Cosmo do Cosmo's thing. You yeah. know, telepathic Russian cosmonaut. You know, and, I, and that for me was great. The gender flip for Cosmo was, I knew about that. Um, but I love the fact that her interactions with Craglin were all about... I am not a bad dog. Take that bat and her yeah. feelings being hurt. And it's like, you know, you can think of whenever you've had to, you know, chastise a pet and they, they have that. Oh, you know, watching the way that they made uh, the, the dog, you just kind of 
or gave her the voice of just like, no, take that back. That hurts. You don't mean that. No. <laughs> and just the, the running that through the entire movie and Craglin just being like, nope, not taking it back. <laughs> not going to do it. That I, I enjoyed that. Um, just that little interplay with them and just getting to see her, you know, when, at the beginning where Craglin is trying to use the arrow and failing. She's like, oh, I could do that. And, you know, Craig's like, like picking it up and carrying it with your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> so just the fact that we got to see Cosmo be Cosmo and not just, you know, the collector's showpiece yeah. was fun. Cosmo was well, fun. So Cosmo is based off of an actual dog that yes. the Russians sent to space uh, named Laika. And that mm-hmm. dog was a female. So oh, really? Yes. It, yes. Are they male in the comics? In the comics, they, they have been portrayed as male. Yes. Okay. Well, in the video game, um, they had Cosmo was actually a big part of the video game too. Like Cosmo was like basically in charge of nowhere, and, too. And that is also comic canon as well. Yeah, is, and there were puppies. There were little Cosmo puppies running around, and they had their own little space suits on, and it was adorable. <laughs> but yeah, I I'm trying to remember because now now that you're talking about like the gender flip thing, I'm like, wait a second, I. I think they portrayed Cosmo as a girl in the game, but maybe I need to look it up again and see because now I'm doubting myself. I knew myself. some people were upset with the gender bend, but I just then assumed that it was a male dog they threw flew into space. So I did not know. Yeah, like I said, historically in, in the comics, they've they've always played it off as being as being male, but. It's that, funny how people focus on the gender bend instead of it's like a talking dog. Yeah, a talking dog. A telepathic dog at that. Yeah. With telekinesis. But man, he's that. he's male in the comics. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we should probably uh, wrap around there. Although I do have one oh, thing that I'm looking forward in to. In the video games. It uh, is he? Anyways. He in the video game. Yeah. Okay. But he still um, has puppies, so. We will have to talk about future state of MCU because I need to talk about the uh, some of the coming press for Captain America for whatever they're calling it, uh, which is no longer New World Order because Sam gets a new suit, which looks much like one of Steve's old suits modified, and we get a new Falcon. A new oh oh, which is um, which I mean, is they already introduced the new Falcon. They already introduced him in Winter Soldier. And I'm sorry, in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it's uh, going to be Joaquin Torres, which is coming again from the comics. Um, but yeah, there's a few things to, that we will have to talk about in the future MCU-related comic uh, podcast. I'm yeah. down. I'm there. Well... <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to our long-winded. It wasn't even like a review. It was like us just chatting. Oh, wait a minute! About wait a minute! We need a review. It's a good movie. You should go see it. Please be warned: it is not for small children and very sensitive people. Yes. Yes. There. There, yes. there, there we go. Yes. As a reminder, now it's the uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> As a reminder, Age of Geek is mostly against kill switches. Um, mostly. Yeah, they're awful. Sometimes. We want to thank Brandon for uh, being on our show tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. Yes, it was fun to talk yes. with you. Indeed. And if uh, you and it, and also if you want a little bit more take on this movie, uh, movies that make us podcast, also they're part of um, Age of Geek Media. They also covered it as well. So you just get all sorts of Guardians content, you guys. How lucky are you? Very, very <laughs> lucky. Who's Make a sure... good, good girl? <laughs> <laughs> Please don't take that out of context. <laughs> <laughs>
love to have you join in on the discussion on our Discord, discord.com slash age of geek. So join us. And yes, Discord, thanks for listening. Discord.ageofgeek.com. There's no slashes. I'm glad you're here. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. I'm going to do the outro. <laughs>